0: You are listening to the Down the Wormhole podcast, exploring the strange and fascinating relationship between science and religion. This is our 100th episode! Hooray! Which is why we're doing it live and not pre-recorded. I mean, it's always done live, but um, you know what I mean. That clip of me at the beginning... Um, which is why it's so unpolished here at the beginning, but it's our 100th episode and we're super excited and we're doing something totally different today. So, um, everyone just say your name as fast as possible at the same time. Okay. Right. Kendra, hold Jackson, Jackson! Hooray! Well, so after 100 episodes, hopefully you know who we are at this point, um... Today is going to be totally different. Instead of taking a topic and uh, going into it, we are all coming here today with a fun fact or story or something that has filled our hearts with joy or wonder in the past, um, I don't know, I was going to say in the past couple of months, but time makes no sense in the world of COVID. Um, We have all been living in a wormhole (laughs) for the past two years or maybe 12 years or who knows. So, <laughs> so does does anybody want to start, or um, or do you want me to start? Kendra oh. raise her hand. Kendra wants to start. I,
1: I can start, but if you want to start, Zach, then no, okay. go ahead. It, just anything. <laughs> Tell me. Go ahead. We're waiting. Go ahead. Pins and needles here.
0: Okay. <laughs> what happens when we don't schedule? Things?
1: I I am really excited to share this because I um. I love Radiolab. That's my other, one of my um, favorite mm. podcasts. And I recently learned on one of their recent episodes that, uh, so scientists for years have been, you know, in the forest. They pay a lot of attention to like what's happening on the forest floor. And for many years, uh, scientists didn't like put in a lot of effort or they just didn't think that it was as important to be uh. Observing, studying what's happening up in the canopy of the trees, and you know, in in recent years, like there's a lot more stuff that you can like read about, and and um, you know. We know more about the canopy of trees, but uh, scientists were like, you know it, it, we were we're on the ground. we're closer to the dirt and the roots and the trunks. and so that's where a lot of that like yeah. early work uh, was taking place. But I learned in this uh, episode that there was a scientist, uh, I can't remember her name, but she basically uh, was one of the first people to discover um, that there is, there are trees that grow in the canopy of trees. It's not Wait, what? turtles all the way down, it's trees all the way up.
0: <laughs> there are trees growing in trees? Yeah.
1: And and that's how Radiolab put it. Uh, Not turtles all the way down, but trees all the way up, and I really love that. I was thinking it's also kind of like um, the Men in Black conclusion of the world inside of a marble or the Dr. Seuss story of a dandelion that has like a world living inside of the dandelion. Like we're just, you know, uh, it's a, it's a great alternative of like the multiple worlds <laughs> hypothesis. There's just <laughs> trees living in their own uh, ecosystem in the canopy of the forests because there's dirt that gets trapped up in the canopy like in between uh, like tree branches. And so one of these scientists, she uh, had proposed, I think it was for her dissertation, to to do work, uh, to like study the canopy. And her advisors were like, okay, if you wanna do that, fine. But they weren't like super excited about it. And so she started, you know, doing her field work and would climb up into the trees. And the first time that she noticed Uh, this like other ecosystem in the canopy she like was able to reach her hand into dirt up in the canopy like she's up off the ground but putting her hand in dirt that was like putting your hand in dirt that's down on the literal ground and i just think that is so cool i didn't know that maybe maybe y'all are more informed about tree canopies than i am but I just found that to be a really cool thing because especially if you think about like really dense, um, dense, like tropical forests where you, you can't actually see what's going on up at the canopy. Like you have to, you have to go up in it to get perspective. Um, and so it makes sense why we would not be super aware of the, the canopy ecosystem or like the canopy soil, but uh, it. It's uh, somehow dirt. I mean, it makes sense to some degree, like the way that wind um, wind blowing through the forest and the, the density of the canopy, like trapping a lot of stuff. Um, but dirt is one of those things. And so, so um, there's stuff mm, that grows up mm. there and we just don't even know. I have that
0: happening in my front yard. I was just noticing that there's a, there's a tree and like the branches come out and there's like a little... I don't know, pocket area yeah. where they're, they're branch away and that the ants had eaten away in that little spot there. And so all like the decomposed ant poop or whatever had made just like little thing of dirt. And there was a tiny sapling growing out of there. there you go. And I pulled it out because I was like, that's going to kill my tree. But I, just I didn't killed... realize that was happening. Like
2: you mass. another tree to save a
0: tree.
1: Oh, <laughs> <sighs> Way to go! Wow,
0: there's some ethical <laughs> implications there.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, that's cool, though.
0: That's pretty yeah, amazing. That Tree murder. <laughs> hey, Kendra, that reminds me of the. Uh, do you know about the uh, the like the insect jet stream? That's up there, like very far what? up, uh, I mean, up oh, in wait, the sky. You do
1: love the bugs? I that. think I do know about.
0: I do love this. bugs. It's true.
1: Um, it's not well, like. Oh, go ahead.
0: They'd be flying airplanes in the early days of aviation. And they're like, why are there bugs on our windshield? Aren't we very hot? Thousands of feet up in the air. Like, I mean, like 5,000 feet up in the air and there's insects. Um, I I saw one estimate that like, uh, how much was it? Uh, Like somewhere between three to six billion insects are flying over your head up in like the jet stream all summer. They'll They'll get like caught up in updrafts. And then the wind is just blowing constantly up there. And so they'll just like travel and they'll just fly around up there uh, until they get they fall down to earth. And they're so light that, you know, it doesn't hurt them. And these aren't just like flying insects. You'll have like ants and stuff up there getting thrown around. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. That's really cool. I I wonder if it's the same path or like trajectory that. Um, other things will get like caught up in those high air streams too, like sand. Like I think this is like part of how the dirt <laughs> gets in the canopies. Um, there's sand from, um, you know, deserts that will kick up and travel from, you know, like Africa to the Brazilian rainforests, and the the tiny organisms that live on those pieces of sand uh, nourish the soil. And nourish the ocean, like provide sustenance, like in places that you wouldn't expect that sand to (laughs) end up. Like, you might not even think that sand travels, but I wonder if it's a shared sort of trajectory of the the insects and sand. It's just like, it's crazy. It's a
3: man, the world is cool,
1: inaccessible to our everyday experiences, but it's just one big, one big ecosystem.
0: Yeah. Every time I'm up there, the windows are closed, so I, I don't. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> you don't know if the sand's gonna pelt you in the face, and nope, never done yeah. it. So my story I wanted to share. Um, well, first of all, uh, I'm six foot three. How tall is everyone else?
1: Five six. Five six. Five, six. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Five eleven and five three nine. quarters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so all of you are children, okay. and I'm a monster, but. I'm 5'9". You're all about to do with five age? inches tall on my yeah. screen. Well, th- did you know that that on average, we in our generation are three inches taller than people were 100 years ago? I feel oh. like
3: I might have heard that.
0: It's true. And one <laughs> of the reasons is because of German submarines.
3: Okay, that's going to need some explanation.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> So technically she didn't ask. She just, like, demanded. (laughs) Mark that clip. (laughs) I'm into it either way. So, in the early 1900s, people didn't eat a whole lot of meat, right? Because they didn't have modern refrigeration. uh, Meat's expensive. It's expensive to raise them, to all of that stuff. And so when people did eat meat, it was usually, like... Uh, canned sardines. That was the most mm-hmm. commonly eaten meat in those days. Uh, right? Awful. Most of the good sardines came from um, off the coast of France and then off the coast of New England. So Atlantic-based sardines were the best ones. And then suddenly, um, during World War I, there were German U-boats in the Atlantic. And we didn't have the ability to know where they were all the time. And so people kind of freaked out and they were like, I'm not going to fish here anymore. I'm going to get blown (laughs) up. So they stopped fishing sardines and there were no more sardines. And Americans loved sardines. So overnight, almost, this giant new industry started in Monterey, California, um, fishing for sardines out in the Pacific. And the reason why people don't normally eat Pacific sardines is because they're awful. (laughs) They're like gross and massive and and oily and disgusting and if given the choice atlantic ones are always going to win but we didn't have a choice anymore so this whole industry boomed in monterey and all these new fisheries went up and they were taken in tons and tons and tons and then the war ended and then boom the whole industry collapsed they had all these new fisheries. They had all these new processing plants. They had, they had all this new stuff that nobody wanted to buy anymore. And so nobody quite knew what to do until this industrious young man named Max Schaefer showed up with a novel idea. And he took these sardines and instead of uh, canning them for human consumption, uh, mashed them all up into a nasty fish paste and then mixed it with grain and marketed it to farmers as cheap chicken food. Mm. Wow. It sounds so good. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was cheap. And it was so full of nutrients, because it was fish, that the fat. chickens all grew really big. The, the, this led to really fat chickens, which led to tender, delicious chickens, which led to the Chicken of Tomorrow breeding competition in 1948, in which farmers around the country were invited to breed the Chicken of Tomorrow— and the chicken that won that is basically the modern roasting chicken—the one that can't really fly, that has uh, whose like skin is is like light colored and is easily plucked, and has large. Uh, uh, the chicken with boobs so big they can't fly. Exactly. Yeah. The chicken that we know and love and eat today came from that. So the consumption of chicken then skyrocketed and became a part of American uh, culture, fried chicken and chicken Mm. breasts and all of that. We started eating more meat and then we grew. And so the reason why modern Americans are three inches taller than their counterparts is because of German U-boats in the Atlantic in the early 1900s.
3: That's pretty cool. Right, because uh, you were asking how tall we were Years ago, I was obsessed with just records for no reason. Like I would read the Guinness Book of World Records for fun. Um, you know, mm. that's not what I thought you were talking Me neither,
1: about. But I like this
3: better. <laughs> okay, yeah. Now I meant. Into- so five foot two was the average height for women, um, mm. in about a hundred years ago, right? five foot two nowadays it's 5 foot 5 so it's so if we say older people are so short that's true they really are that much shorter than we are and has nothing to do with like osteoarthritis or because the um you know the discs between their vertebrae are thinning or anything like that they they literally are just shorter than we are hmm. So.
0: Hmm should have eaten more chicken.
3: And so now what are, how tall are people going to get in 100 years from now Zach?
0: Like if massive, hundreds of feet. I think we'll be a race of monsters no. and then the lord will have to flood the earth in order to rid us of the nephilim. Only if, That's at least what happened last time. Only if we try
3: to have a ladder and build a tower because
0: no the people who made like the ark in um who who are those people who, who what, built the, the life-size arc <laughs> ken ham and them they're building a tower of babel i know that's literally the point know. of the story is you're don't not supposed to build are it really
4: they're building <laughs> a tower seriously. of Babel.
0: that's
3: the plan, that's the plan.
0: Oh.
4: is it is it like a like you know like a twilight nope. zone like tower nope. of terror drop like no. where like you get to go up <laughs> in,
0: and then they're like
1: you guys really missed the point on a lot of levels.
0: Yeah. I feel like if they complete it I wanna... they've they've missed the point. But if they like leave the top intentionally undone
3: then perhaps then
0: like that might be fun,
3: right? <laughs> you know, you said that in a way that
0: I
2: definitely want to share this episode with him.
3: Yeah, you you, shared, you said that in a well, way like could be fun. It. The same way that Robin Williams did in one of his stand-up comedies. By the way, from like twenty years ago, where he talked oh. about, you know, touching the nipples of gorillas. It like, would be
0: fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's on par, right? Tempting God and uh, touching, touching the nipples. nipples of
3: gorillas. You know,
1: tempting you God, never know what's gonna gorillas. happen. <laughs> what's the difference? <laughs>
4: That might be like a good activity for the top of the Tower <laughs> of Babel. Yeah. Some good
1: wow. integration. So in this you episode. You could suggest that
4: to Kenny. Yeah. Mm, I will. <laughs> I will. Yeah.
2: You would if you weren't blocked. No, I'm going to do it from our down per- our our
4: Donald <laughs> Don't <you> dare. Don't you
2: dare.
0: Oh yeah. Ian's personal account got blocked by Ken Ham. And so last time he wanted to share one of our episodes, he had to use he the couldn't. down the wormhole Twitter <laughs> handle amazing. because he's trying to get us blocked from Ken Ham too. So
2: Thank so you, Ian. Well, it was a really good astronomy. <laughs> Thanks one. for taking one for the team. At Jennifer Wiseman are they were poking fun at the uh you know, the new telescope up there, and so I felt like, you know, I mm. had to help him out a little
0: bit. And so say, if you want to hear something really cool about it, listen to this episode.
3: <laughs>
0: That's right. That's right. Well, Ken Ham, you're welcome on this show at any That's point. That's correct. Ian Only if you touch gorilla nipples <laughs> <laughs> on the top
2: of the new tower, of, uh, tower that you're building. Hmm. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what it is I've learned that I want to share, so
3: I'm going to let Rachel or Adam uh, well, I, don't, I don't have anything that that fun. Um, I've just um, taken some time away from the world and just delved into my hobbies. And so I think at this point, y'all know that I like to cross-stitch. So I cross-stitched like so many different space things. Um, I can certainly share a picture of it. It was really awesome, especially um, uh, brain freeze, black holes and different nebulae. and It was just really fun. But...
0: Oh, the Pillars of Creation were you. gorgeous.
3: I did oh. really enjoy the Pillars of Creation. Um, I have been like desperately following what's going on with web. And so it's just so unbelievably exciting to witness this thing that costs so many more dollars than than anyone ever thought it was possible. And that gives me hope for humanity, right? So and and being Jewish, and living in a place where Christianity dominates, and not just your run of the mill Christianity, but like, um, you will believe, kind of Christianity, and to see <laughs> that <Ooh. clears throat> shivers. Yeah, exactly. To 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 watch that.
4: It's gonna be what Zach.
3: <laughs>
4: <said>. <laughs> I'm you offended. That do
0: you imagine that I'm like store brand Christianity? Um. <laughs> and-
3: <laughs> Not at all. Not at all.
4: Okay, you're the good kind. No, but I think you could use it in a scary could. way.
3: Yeah, Tower of yeah. Babel. Right. Go on. Um, Go. It got pushed back. So for anyone that wasn't really following, the it was supposed to launch on the 22nd. I mean, it was supposed to launch at various times, and then they were smart and they didn't make it launch. And then they they decided to launch it on December 25th. I was like, Merry Christmas, Jews. Like because you know the Jewish Christmas is Chinese food in a movie because those when things open but I was like yes I can watch this like that's the best it was the best so watching that and then having it unfold a couple of weeks like it made it and now knowing Mm -hmm. that somebody did really good math and made sure that there was extras, right? So if any of you have ever gone on a road trip, I was certainly thinking about this because um, we're looking at electrical cars. It's like, well, how far can we really go? And since there's no no stations where you can like fuel up your your electrical car, you can really only go a very short distance um, in most parts of the country. So you then say, okay, well, how far can I go? And then you Give yourself a little bit of buffer room because you don't want to be stuck there. Well, someone over at NASA, and when I say someone, I'm sure that it was many, many teams of people said, well, we want to make sure that it's going to get there. It's going to get to L2. We don't really need it to stop. And so they just put extra fuel. But they did a really great job. And instead of it possibly lasting for 10 years, they think they now have so much fuel, it might last for 20 years. And that's just. Oh, I
2: didn't hear that part. Wow.
3: Yeah, that's just really Uh exciting that they have so much, that it was good fuel usage on the way there, that they have almost doubled the ability for it to live. Um, and send back pictures. That is so cool. So
0: So it would only be able to live for 20 years, or could it outlast that? Does it have the power to... You know,
3: I think it's probably going to depend on what signals they send it and what technology we come up with, but it looks like probably only, only in air quotes, you know, 20 years. Um, And, you know... Because Hubble's going on 30. Right, but Hubble... Especially if you have read the book Handprints on Hubble, you'll know, fascinating book, by the way, Um, Hubble is so different than Webb and pretty much everything else that came before it. The concept with Hubble is that it could be repairable in space, right? That's Mm -hmm. what made it so unique Mm -hmm. and so challenging to build is that they had to constantly go over and over and say, like, can an astronaut actually attach themselves to this right like where do you put the foothold because there's no torque if you're not holding on to anything you're just like off into space with no gravity you can't actually use a wrench so what do you do and because they made the concept of this being repairable in space, they could make it so much better than it is. Well, Webb is not going to be <laughs> repairable in space because it's a little far. Um, so whatever it is, is what it is. So everyone was holding their collective breath for all of everything to unfurl. And then it did beautifully and they're still calibrating it. So it's still going to be like another 10-ish weeks until things are fully calibrated and really sending pictures. But um, that that's just sort of my, it's not really a story, it's just I think that one of the things that I look at here is all of these, let's go in preacher style here, all of these extras that they put into it, the, the buffers that they build in, like, we can totally do that in our lives. Like, we can build in buffer for times, we can build in buffer for gas, we can build in buffer for crying. Not that I've been doing that at all. Like, we can just build in these buffers for each other and ourselves. And I think it's beautiful. And we decided, like, it took so many governments to put web up there. And we worked together. And Mm. I am so a utopian universe kind of person, right? Star Trek and Marvel all the way. Screw you, DC Mm. and Star Wars. Um, I know, I make enemies (laughs) when I say that. But, like... Like this, it's not uh, the DC
2: thing. You didn't have to throw both of them. I in did. It, yeah. I did. Like uh, Web is just like it,
3: it. has that 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 nugget of hope and humanity, and we put so much money into it. It's insane. And if we can do that for nothing functional, <laughs> I'm happy she not froze feeding now. people okay. with it. That's, <laughs> that's oh, darn it. I think that's I froze again. That's me using the
2: force. It's okay.
3: I'm just gonna sit here and wait, and I don't know if any of this gets recorded. Oh, yeah, oh, you're I moving the again.
2: Force to freeze you. Oh,
3: there she is. Now <laughs> you're moving again. Okay, she froze used your camera. She froze during her idealism yes, thank you. speech. Oh. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. uh, yay us, and perhaps we could use all of that money to give stable internet to podunk places like where I live. That'd be great.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: well, I did hear that some solar flare interference sort of a deal knocked out like a couple dozen starlink satellites recently is that so the problem are going to burn is that, up.
3: Is, that, is that really the problem um,
0: i mean i don't think you're I using think starlink so internet it's very I expensive so. right now
3: i think it's that we just live in the middle of nowhere and have bad internet yeah. so anyway, so that's 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 mm. that's my story
2: I feel like Adam should follow up with something. Else.
3: I think Just so, too, because he see. has to bring it down. Like, I've got all this, like, idealism, gotta be the... and so Adam. <laughs> <Well, laughs> Adam is the true. gritty uh, reboot. Uh,
1: Kendra. Adam, are you going to talk about Webb? Because I almost shared a story that I thought maybe you would talk about, but it's actually something that I learned indirectly uh, from you through Chad, I love this. <laughs> oh. Okay, and so if you're not going to talk about that, then I want to say that, I, but you should say it.
4: You can, you can oh, okay. say it. Go ahead.
0: I don't know. I have a story about clams that I can share too. <laughs> <Okay>. if...
1: <laughs> so Web then clams then Adam wrapping us up. Great.
0: Ian still has <laughs> it gone. Right, I'm just listening. We've yeah. got time. We're only halfway through. Yeah. We've got time. <laughs>
1: um, okay. Well, two things I want to share. The first thing is I. I'm really happy that we're talking about web because the other day I brought up the web telescope in my class and all my students were like, "Huh? <gasps> what was that?" And I was like, "Are you kidding me right now? No NASA nerds in here?" <laughs> and they were all like like everyone shaking their heads and I was like, "This is this is this is unacceptable." And so I sent them an email later that was completely like unrelated, you know, it was about class, and then the end of my email was like, "Also, just for fun, please go read about the James go be school." Come on, um, but I, uh, I uh, ha- have been so inspired by keeping up with this that I put a, a little like anecdote about it in one of my dissertation chapters because I'm writing about awe. Um, yes, but I think what's really interesting about the kind of awe and, like, inspiration and energy that people feel around the Webb telescope is that it's not just what it could do for us. It's not just that, like, how amazing would it be if we learn all this stuff by, you know, being able to see the infrared light and knowing about black holes and exploring other planets. Like, there's a lot of a potential that's amazing and awe-inspiring of, like, all these people working together to such a precise degree that we've had this, like, international success. So that's, like, on the one hand. But on the other hand, I feel like it's also really easy to get caught up in in the story and want to follow it so closely because there's so much at stake. Because if it fails, (laughs) that's also (laughs) pretty major. Like, we're either going to see human achievement you know, at its pinnacle, or we're going to watch $10 billion just flush down the drain. And either way, it's kind of awe-inspiring. <laughs> so true. Um, but mm. the the other thing I wanted to to share, which is, again, me stealing something that um, Adam actually learned recently. I don't know where you learned this, so <laughs> you can share that. But apparently... Um, like the collaborate, like everyone knows, the collaboration of the the telescope team. Like it was a you know a lot of people involved, but uh, one of the people who contributed to the design of the telescope was an origami artist who worked with scientists to come up with the the, the the design and the folding, uh you know technique of the telescope to get it to fit inside of the rocket so that it could be compact enough. And go far enough, and then only once it was outside of the rocket, unfold the way that it did, and you know, with all its like single point failure (laughs) possibilities that it overcame. But it was an origami artist who, like, inspired scientists um, by just like looking at how you know you fold up paper origami, and I just think that's so cool. And what a what an interesting. what an inspiring testament to interdisciplinary work, which is why I think Adam uh, was talking about this to Chad. But for those of us in academia who are all about interdisciplinariness, this is a perfect example because it's the humanities, the, the artists working together with the scientists um, to make something beautiful, functional, and, you know, hopefully not disastrous, but, uh, you know, something amazing. (laughs) It did unfold. That's what I have to say. Awesome.
3: And I'm going to add that if anyone actually does origami, you can download the origami web telescope itself. Like, they created Mm. the web telescope origami pattern. Um, That's awesome. So, I just want to add that. Did they really? Yes. Would you like the link? Because
2: John uh yes i do because john loves to do origami stuff
3: yes i think i need that thing it's pretty amazing yeah it's pretty amazing (laughs) Um, all right
2: adam what are you gonna do to bring us down
3: i thought thought zach wanted to talk about
4: about
0: clams also
3: zach are you gonna talk about other nasa thing
0: i mean i can talk about more nasa stuff I I feel like I feel like several people are are hinting something to me and I'm I'm not getting most of them. I uh... <laughs> No, my 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 fun fact about clams was just that the water supply of Warsaw, Poland is controlled by eight clams. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, no, it's true. They um the 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 people <laughs> Okay. (laughs) The people in charge of the water department found that clams were better at detecting pollution than any of their their, uh, artificial sensors. And so they took eight clams and they are in a tank that the water comes from the treatment plant and it goes into the tank before it goes out to the people. And on top of the clams, they have basically hot glue to spring and... Uh put that in front of a sensor a and so when the water gets too polluted the clams close and then the uh, the thing at the end of the spring touches the sensor and it's, it turns off the water to Warsaw and um, when the water is clean they open back up again and the water turns on Good. and those clams are replaced every three months and then they're put back in the pond and they're given um, <laughs> they're <it's> marked and <laughs> They're marked oh, so that they don't get used again. Oh, that's so nice um, of them. And they have to go through a period of training in order to be, <laughs> wow. uh, to make sure that their senses are That's proper. what but, I yeah, want no, to be, is
4: the trainer. Eight clams now listen control up, the, clams. The, the water supply. Yeah. yeah. I mean, essentially, Warsaw made clam thermostats. That's really what happened here.
0: Yeah. And they work, <laughs> the, they, they call it like, oh, um, uh, there's a fancy word for uh, biomonitoring. Huh.
4: Yeah, that's that just, a fancy way to say clam thermostat.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a canary in the coal mine, but, um, but it controls the whole water supply. Yeah.
4: Do they so. have like a like, Does it? can it like shut partway off? Like, you know, four clams today were close. Uh, drink at your own risk.
3: Boil warning. What's like
4: minority report? <laughs> right. <laughs> but not when the clams are in the tank.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. No, don't do that.
4: Don't do that. Because then somebody's anyway. got to train more. Um, so what do you got, Adam? I, I, I want to make sure I understood the assignment. I don't know if I did this correctly. Oh, okay
0: well, so this would, be, this would be like textbook vintage Adam for you to come on and be like, look, I got your question, but I deny the promise. Well, and I would like to I mean, restate this in a way.
4: <laughs> nine times out of ten, that's true. But I, um, So I, I'm supposed to come up with a story sure. that has been inspiring to no. me?
1: No. Haven't you learned no. anything no, was just recently, Adam? Have you <laughs> learned
4: Anything
0: or just, interesting,
4: or just fun. anything, anything interesting or fun or that I've learned recently, or
0: inspirational, or tragic, or, or like, or or or. Okay, um, I mean the Sixers just got James Harden. We could we could talk about that. We could
4: talk about that. Uh, no, um, <laughs> well, I, I guess. <laughs> I, uh, Are you looking around the room for inspiration?
1: Do you want me to do you want me no, to I'm, type something to you to talk about?
4: No, I'm no, I'm I'm thinking like because I, I I'm I'm trying to say what to choose like I mean I could choose any number of depressing items but that feels a little on the nose um because a lot of what I've been learning is about the Kansas legislature right now and that's oh. t- terrible <laughs> I don't think anyone should be subjected to that also. I'm pretty sure it should be disbanded because they're useless. Um cool, cool. Uh I've been reading a lot about gerrymandering, but that also feels pretty, pretty dark. Um <sighs> even for me, that feels kind of dark. Especially uh, which state uh, you know, you're living. Because Kansas in is too. trying to put Lawrence inside the big first. If you don't want, know what the big first is, it's all of western Kansas. Um and let me just say Lawrence is not in Western Kansas, right? So it makes this big U-shape to come down and get Lawrence and put him into the big first.
3: It's not political anyway, at Anyway,
4: yeah, these are the things I'm reading about. Uh, yeah, no. No. Um, oh, wait. No, oh, I have a happy what? one. Uh, hold on. Wait. Well, I mean, it's not happy. Yeah, happy. Happy happiest.
3: Everything's happy-ish. relative.
4: <laughs> I think it's happy. Um hang on, hang on. I'm pulling it up. Still a low bar. So I was reading uh this morning. This this made me legitimately happy this morning. So um in the Times there was this piece by Rabbi Lauren Holtzblatt from uh Adas Israel Congregation in Washington, DC. And um she was writing about the whole debacle. Uh-huh. Feels like the correct term, uh, the miss with Whoopi Uh Goldberg. That one, okay. Oh Uh, yes, yeah, Yeah. right. Um, and I, you know, if you're not aware, like you know, Google it. You can find that. Um, I was was a little depressed at the number of people who didn't know that that occurred, and I'm like, oh, well, that says something about, um, you know, how Zach might haunt Mm -hmm. people. Um, but uh, what she wrote about. In her, her piece, which I thought was really, really beautiful. And I'm going to butcher the pronunciation and then you correct I'll me, try. Rachel. Um, so she she wrote about uh-huh. teshuva. Did she I get did. my accent right? Oh, yes. Ooh, um, well done. Uh, and as a process of regretting, renouncing, confessing, reconciling, and making mm-hmm. amends. Right? Um, and then she talks about Teshuvah Shlema.
3: Complete. Mm-hmm.
4: Yep. Right. This idea of complete Teshuvah, right. Where like when you come into the same situation, you act differently. Right. As knowing that this is like actually come to its peace. And then she makes this nice reference to Tikkun Olam at the end of the article that like, unless you're Jewish, you probably don't catch. And I thought it was really brilliant. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I, what, what I found like <laughs> deeply hopeful about this, idea is how generous a way of responding to that situation mm. um that is. And that doesn't happen anymore. Mm. No one is that generous <laughs> with other people today. And I kind of like that yeah. at heart. I think there's something really Beautiful about being able to write in the face of horrible racism that this is the kind of response we should be offering to one another. Mm. And it makes me more patient, generally. Not specifically towards (laughs) anyone, but generally, I like the idea of it. And what was the article? Uh, it's her opinion piece she wrote, um, it's called, uh, in the Jewish tradition, the words we choose matter. And I just thought it was, it was really beautifully, re- I mean, it's beautifully written, like, a whole wholesale, but I, I just, the fact that that was how she decided to wrap this up and suggest people might engage what has been a, a really, um, in some ways, underreported, in my opinion, and also poorly reported um, event
3: is, is I think, really helpful. Yeah, it's lovely. And I, I appreciate that you, you also brought it up. Um, you know, it's definitely one of those things, um, right? In Judaism, there is definitely that idea of if we believe that each person has the ability to mess up, and then fix their mess ups. How like, how much more? How much more can we really ask of a person? And should we not then treat each other with that ability? Um, so it's. I mean, she's she's far more erudite and uh, better spoken than I. Uh, also, she's she was writing instead of speaking, so she had the gift of editing. Um, but no, it's really. <clears throat> it's wonderful, right? And I think one of the challenges that we have, especially as Jews, is like, well, that was underreported. What about mouse? Um, and 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 what about right the synagogue shooting in in Texas, like, or hostage holding, not shooting. right? Like, how many of these things do we really want to be like? Hey, you didn't say that enough. So I like that there's this positive that you that Adam, you picked up this, like really good way of looking at this story. Thanks. Also, it's a really great story. Er, Yeah, I'll have to read that.
4: Hmm. There, I did something hopeful.
3: You sure did. Well, it's a hundredth episode. You're like doing something different.
4: (laughs) I gotta flip things
1: around occasionally. (laughs) Mm. Keep it fresh.
4: Just take us another three
0: years to get to another positive story. (laughs) Probably. I mean, it seems highly likely. Maybe the birth of your fourth child will bring some sunshine into your life.
4: I mean, I probably won't be there. <laughs> Let's just, just be real. 75% that's enough.
2: Yeah. If you're a professional athlete, I mean, you make a lot of money. That's oh, yeah. correct. <laughs> C is for
4: degree.
3: Is that what you tell your students?
4: <laughs> yeah. C's get degrees. If they're struggling in my class and they're at like 68, I'm like, hey. You only gotta get seven percent more. <laughs> C is for degree. Well then. Sometimes I say that to majors too. Not mm. too many recently. Just a while. Maybe. There were there were a couple.
3: I think the thing
2: I wanna talk about is uh I always appreciate um the excitement around seeing uh, people um athletes at the Olympics. Mm. You know, there's always the there's always issues with, you know, how the Olympics are chosen and, you know, I'm not dismissing any of that. What I I like to see, and I love to have the Olympics on is to just see their excitement that they have while they're doing something that they've spent an incredibly long time preparing for. Right. And then, um, even the, the, um, like good sportsmanship they tend to have, for the most part, I and mean, there's always issues, but mm-hmm. just how much they still celebrate each other because they realize that they're seeing something great. Like it's really, I just it's very inspiring for me to see that to see people who are able to do some of these things. That after they've done an event, you're just like, I don't understand how that just happened. <laughs> like, how did that person just do that? <laughs> you know, tricks when you know, especially right now with skiing, you know the aerials that they do mm-hmm. and stuff like the freestyle skiing or whatever it's called. But even watching like the level of excitement that occurs with cross country skiing and biathlon. I mean, I love to watch that. That's mm-hmm. fun. Curling Curling's fun because they'll do things and everyone will just be like, how did that just happen? You know I mean? It's just, it's so amazing to me that they're that far from the end and they're able to like thread it between two of the rocks to hit this exact spot that they need to hit. It's just really cool. So that's kind of what's been going on in our house lately.
0: And watch what was impossible just like a decade mm-hmm. ago. Right, someone would land like a like I, when Tony Hawk hit the, like the nine hundred, right, or whatever it was back in know, twenty years ago. Yeah. that was that was mind blowing. X Games exploded. And now they have Nobody to do could it every do time because it's and yeah, nothing. now it's like oh, we figured it out, and now we can do it. We've progressed. Humans are amazing. Yeah,
3: what we ask so our bodies really to do to is that. really impressive.
2: Yeah, it's very it's very interesting just to kind of watch these. Athletes who, as I said, de- have dedicated their lives to perfecting what it is that they do. But to build on the Olympics theme, how about this? I um, was the the first I, can't, I now don't remember her name, but it was the first woman um, uh, figure skater to uh, land a quad, the quad jump in you mean the competition. Place? I was about to say, you mean the doper? <laughs> oh no, was she a doper? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Did she test positive for doping? Yep. Oh. Bum,
0: bum,
3: bum. Okay, it was <laughs> Does she it's really test positive It's amazing what the body doping? can do with extra hormones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I still mean, it's kind amazing of amazing how right? well. <laughs> that sucks.
4: I, I got to say, right? Like, as you were seeing all this, I can't stop myself now. Now <laughs> okay. I'm going to go for it, right? Like, you're doing all this, <laughs> this hopey, and they like each other and this kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, you know what I see? The instrumentalization of 15-year-olds by countries for profit. Mm-hmm.
2: See, this is the reason why I we're going <laughs> to just get rid of that part.
1: <laughs> no, no. Ian, I, I appreciate it because I You must also, be fun at parties. I love watching the clips. I watched the snowboarders yesterday and was like, yeah, I'm going to do that one. <laughs> I'm not. I will never do anything remotely close yeah. to that. But it does. Thank it you. makes you feel like you oh, know, just no. before before Adam just ruins it, I just want to affirm your love of watching olympic athletes well i'm i'm going so,
3: to like switch teams I here a little bit and i'm totally with adam i can't stand i mean you're you're yeah. i'm not saying yeah. that you're wrong yes.
1: i just I'm, wanted I'm you, you know ian it yes. took him a while to think of something to share like, you. let him have let him have this
2: hey, i'm not at all just dismissing the fact that you know these that people are taking advantage of or anything like that what i'm saying is that when you do see an athlete excel at something it's exciting for me. Even like the NFL, right? Yep. Or, Can't, we'll you know, never refuse,
3: 100% refuse to watch the NFL. It's just gladiators in the 20th century and it's abusive in so many different ways and racist in unbelievable magnitudes. I okay, cannot so, uh, watch the football.
2: Like, it's a not. couple years ago, there was a marathoner <laughs> who broke the two hour barrier. <laughs>
4: Are you gonna rain on that parade too for me, or are we gonna be okay with that one? While being surrounded by a whole team of people, was that really a good use of reason? it was to try and get somebody to run a marathon faster than two hours. It just could happen.
0: The marathon is my favorite. Because like, because when they first did it, the person
3: died.
0: That's why (laughs) because the guy ran 26 miles from Marathon to Athens fell dead and then we were like we're gonna flex on this guy and now we do it all the time and we're just like hey one guy died doing this let's do it and like isn't that great that's so cute. i don't get it also fun fact (laughs) the president of the olympics for life for all time is king herod the great (laughs) did you know that i did not The Olympics had fallen (laughs) under disrepair. There was no money for it. They did. They barely happened. And Herod was traveling through um, the Greek area in 12 B.C., it, yeah, he was there in 12 BC and he went and he was like, wow, this sucks. And he's like, here, if I give you tons of talents, are you going to be able to make this great? And they were like, yeah. And he's like, then go Zeus. Here you go. Here's a ton of money. And they revitalized the Olympics and it became a big thing again. And he was named president of the Olympics for life in perpetuity. And so his statue is there and he is for all eternity the president of the Olympics. I mean, it so, does
3: make a lot of sense.
0: I know Christians love to hate the guy, no, but it does make but... a lot
3: of sense right like he's this is how messed up the olympics are right he's the guy that you know decides to kill his whole family so it
4: i think they should start leading the parade of nations with a statue <laughs> of <Karen>. herod <laughs> that would really drive it. the point home i'm into
0: it You know, one time Cleopatra came to visit and she was like showing him up and he was like, he went to his guy and he's like, can we kill her right now? And he's like, you can't kill Cleopatra. And he's like, but she's here. We can kill her now. Right. And they're like, you can't kill Cleopatra. And he almost did it because he's nuts.
3: Right. But
4: he loved the Olympics. Yeah.
3: It could have just been the medicine. Sorry, Ian.
4: We rained on. We rained yeah. on. Yeah,
3: sorry. Oh, guys. <laughs> sorry. I'm gonna
2: go watch the Olympics now. How
3: fun! And say, hey,
2: let's go watch the biathlon because I'm certain on the next lap they're gonna all turn their rifles on each other. Also, <laughs> there'll be who a bloodbath. That one, like, like, just like Adam and Rachel wanted. To be. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: seriously, <laughs> that's how the Hunger Games. It. <laughs>
4: Ian, Dude. take solace in the fact that you got Rachel and I to agree. I, did.
2: I think that's the you guys see that ski away. jump? Oh, that person's head fell off when they
0: landed. <laughs> there it is. Oh, again. no, that guy's a racist. Sorry. I
3: <laughs> You know, it's just trauma when I see the skiers, so I can't see the skiers. So, no. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah I, right. broke my, I broke my body. I broke my brain. Oh, I totally forgot. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I totally broke my brain. Oh, that
0: was in a previous episode yeah, and everything. that was another
3: one. Yeah. Let's talk
2: more about, like, you know, running. Not right? doing that. Uh, no, they cheat, too. So, um, <laughs> no. Yeah. Hmm. Javelin. Maybe someone hasn't been pierced lately.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> setting aside just, wow. like, the terribleness of uh, human Sports. nature, yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to also add, um, so, like, I haven't really watched the olympics like very carefully this year i usually don't i usually just like watch clips of things Mm -hmm. so the stuff that i've seen was like ice skating clips and um like snowboarder clips but i've been i was just thinking the last couple of days about simone biles and Mm. just the whole phenomenon of the twisties Mm -hmm. because a lot of the stuff that i'm looking at for like the snowboarders and ice skaters you know it's like a lot of tricks a lot of jumping and flipping and all of that and i just it is really amazing, especially knowing my own very limited abilities as, like, not an athlete person, but who has worked so hard to have, like, very basic snowboarding skills that um, it's it feels so good when you can get to a point where your body just does, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what you have to do to, like, do it well. It's, like, the whole problem of the twisties, and, like, it, when you start to think about what you are trying to do athletically it messes with you and so it's this really interesting like giving in to just your body (laughs) and i it's it's really it's like a very meditative experience and you have to be skilled of course but it's just such a such an interesting part of living in a body when we are so easily like distracted in our heads um, to separate those experiences
2: you bringing up simone you know, at the last Olympics, the summer Olympics, watching her, especially being that, you know, our daughter Ellie is a gymnast, right? It's, and even recently talking about it, you know, and so I've always been impressed and admired, have always admired Simone Biles. I think, you know, her, what she embraced, her struggles with her own, her mental health journey, I thought made her even more impressive. But when you talk again about someone who's become like an expert at what it is they do, like the things that she can do, Is just mind boggling to me, like what she is Mm. capable of as an athlete, um, just her athletic ability. Right. But even talking with Ellie of Ellie explaining to me that we talked about, you know, the other day, uh, Ellie had a competition last week and met, um, Mary Lou Retton, right? Honey, who did Ellie meet last week? Mary Lou Retton. Yeah. So she met Mary Lou Retton at a a competition last week and it was really cool to hear about it. And I was kind of saying like, oh, it'd be, you know, someone else get a 10. Could Simone get a 10? And her response was, is that she, her strength and power is so great that the skills that she does that gets her such high scores would not, wouldn't make it, I think, very challenging for her to ever get a perfect score. Because you know they, the way the scoring is done at that level is very different uh, than the standard level, but that her her power that Simone Biles has is just that much better than most anyone else in the world. That that's why it'd be challenging for her to become to get a perfect score because she challenges herself to that level. Does that make sense? Like she could yeah. land things. If
3: she did what or other competitors did, score. right? If she did what other competitors did, she would get a perfect score. But because she pushes Correct. herself. To make it harder.
2: And that's what <laughs> raises like her ability to get even higher scores, though, is because they realize that, oh, well, we have to change the scoring because of the <laughs> tricks and the things that she's able to do, the skills that she's able to do, mean
0: that we have that scoring has to change. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. Right. right? They had to outlaw some move that she did because no one else could do it. Correct.
2: Correct. She pu- they punished and her. Then they call it the Biles. I mean, she's got several moves on several different. Mm-hmm. A- Apparata apparati that are named after her, which she's is also the first like, one to land it.
1: Just let her do it and let her just win all the time because that's yeah. pretty cool, <laughs> right?
2: Thank you, yes. Kendra, for bringing that one up because now I feel better again. I'm happy,
3: <sighs> <laughs> and I don't want to. I don't want to poo-poo the athletes themselves. They're doing amazing things. Just the institutions they're in. <laughs>
2: Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. There are so just
3: problems. To, just to clarify, yeah. I don't F mean to man. make any athletes upset. I think that what they're doing is truly incredible. Because
2: I would love to get Simone on here because yeah. she's so neat.
3: <laughs> you're yeah. amazing, Ian.
0: Yeah, and if any Olympic athletes are regular yeah. listeners of the podcast, we'd love to have you we'd on. We'd love to have you on. Jinx. Especially if you're in the biathlon, we'd love to learn more about how that
3: how came about. Could oh,
2: yes. I, that's one of my absolute favorite Ian and shooting. shorts. My, my yeah. favorite winter sport to watch is. Potentially bath. Yeah. on or I love watching. Calm, your, calm
3: it. your heart rate slow enough after doing this incredible thing that you, thing shoot that you can rifle. shoot
2: steady. That's impressive. Yeah. So, American. so
3: American.
0: They're like, yet, here's a cool sport. How can we make it better? Aren't, aren't Guns. Aren't good at it? Yeah. <laughs> what? We're not good at a gun sport? We're not That'd nearly as good as the Canadians? Nordic countries. And <laughs> the Canadians, they, <laughs> they they beat us every time unacceptable so, we're, yes, nearing the, the so here, you, <laughs> we're nearing the end here and we're nearing the end here and I love my I, want I to, haven't said that yet there we go I want to say thank you to all of you all the four of you and thank you to myself as well because you all are incredible and it has been a minute since we've had all of us here and it has felt so good just to be here For this time. I want to thank everyone at home or in the car or in the gym or wherever it is that you're listening now. Those of you who have listened to all 100 episodes and those of you who this might be your Mm -hmm. first, um, you are wonderful people as well. Mm -hmm. I would invite you to check out the Down the Wormhole Conversations group on Facebook and join us there. We've got Mm -hmm. some... uh, It's really fun to be able to talk with folks um, on there. And yeah... You can check us out on Patreon as well if you'd like to support the show. Does anybody have any closing stories or thoughts or fun facts you want to share before we uh, call it a day?
3: I think, Zach, you should share the story of the person that works at NASA.
0: Um, it's, it's a quick little. It is a quick little story. NASA has... Um, let me let me pull up the... the
1: While Zach uh, is looking that up, I'd encourage everyone to go look up whales, bubble netting to catch their fish, because that's That's, <laughs> that's amazing.
0: I'd also encourage people to look up the story of how Pepsi, briefly in the 80s, became the sixth largest military in the world. I'm, um, I'm sorry? Yeah. <laughs> what? That's a fun story as well. All right,
3: that's homework. Pepsi yeah. military in the 80s.
0: Basically, and here we go. In the 50s, they were trying to make peace between the Soviet Union and America. And so Eisenhower put together this American national exhibition in Moscow, and he sent Nixon over there. And Nixon is not a nice person. And so Nixon and uh, Khrushchev are talking, and then they start fighting about capitalism and communism. And so the CEO of Pepsi sees them fighting and steps in there. And he's like, here you go. And he gives Khrushchev a Pepsi. And he drinks it. And he goes, damn, or whatever the equivalent in Russian is. This is amazing. We have to have this. Uh, the problem was there was all of these you know, trade issues. And not everyone accepted Soviet currency. And so Pepsi didn't want to do this transaction. So they signed a deal in which the Soviet Union would purchase Pepsi with vodka. And that was their agreement for like... 30 years. So then in the late 80s, the agreement was expiring and Pepsi was like, we don't want to get paid in vodka anymore. What else you got? And they were like, well, you still don't want to take our money. So here's what we have. And Pepsi, in exchange for $3 billion worth of Pepsi products, gave the Pepsi Corporation 17 submarines, a cruiser, a frigate and a destroyer, which then for that amount of time made them the sixth largest military in the world. Pepsi then flipped all of that to a Swedish scrap recycling company and made back the money. Um, but for that period of time, Pepsi was the sixth largest military in the world. Wow. So that's my fun Pepsi fact. But anyway, every single thing that goes up into space, um, that goes up into a habitable space, so anything that goes up into the, um, into the space station or in a, in a ship that has humans in it, has to pass the sniff test, literally, from a man George Aldrich um, George Aldrich is the chief sniffer of NASA and anything that goes up there has to be smelled by him and then he has to approve it or not because they uh, they need somebody with a very sensitive nose to smell if like is this going to to be awful to be locked in a room with this so if you want to get something sent to space it's got to be sniffed by nostril
4: damas thats how they call him mm <laughs> I hope they quarantined him for a long time so he didn't get COVID. <laughs> oh right? How awful would that be?
3: Well, that's why I was thinking it's like, client, he, needs well, like he needs to have insurance on his. You had one job. I.
4: I seems like you could train clams to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know how smell works, Adam, but
2: <laughs> I just looked that up. You know, n- nostril domus uh-huh. because I saw that you put it uh-huh. in the chat, Rachel, and I. So I typed that into Google oh, and. No. <laughs> Now that oh, now that oh, story uh. does come up as the second. It's the story, second story. But, like, the second thing. Don't the click on the first thing one is with the Urban Dictionary and uh, is dear not, listener. That I is not. That is not.
3: This is a not safe for work portion. Do yeah, not. Don't, talk about that do not one. Not
2: click on that link. It is definitely NSFW. <laughs> um, not safe for work. If you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: NSDTW. Just not safe for kind DTW. Of like,
2: well, the thing is, is that I started looking at it while right before Zach started talking. I thought to myself, "Where the heck is this story going?" Like,
3: <laughs> they have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this is so
2: funny.
0: Kendra, are you looking it up right now?
3: No, don't, nope. <laughs> don't now. Nah.
0: Just, dear listener, I don't don't, don't worry about Trust Urban us. Dictionary and teenagers putting crazy Trust things in there us. that they have you no. Do experience not want with. to
3: look at this. Don't
0: worry about it. Instead, Instead, you can search for George Aldrich, Aldrich, NASA employee, chief sniffer. Or
3: Smither. if you're that, you know, you can go back and listen to the rest of our other podcasts, either for the first time or another time.
0: Absolutely, There's 99 other episodes you can listen to.
3: Exactly. Do not go to Urban Dictionary. Go to DTW. There you go. That's a great closing, a great closing sign thing. off.